Amen. Good evening, brothers and sisters. Everybody good? Hey, it's always good when we get to come in here and, and, and read from God's Word, ain't it? It's always good when we get to come in here and sing praises to the Lord, ain't it? It's always good when we get to come in here and pray to the Lord Almighty. Amen? What a blessing that is to be able to come and worship in spirit and truth and not have to worry about being persecuted, not have to worry about being arrested. We can do this and we can do it with a happy and glad heart. What, what joy that uh, brings to me. Tonight I want to talk about uh, David and Jonathan. 1 Samuel chapter 20. David and Jonathan. And uh, the last time that I preached, this is kind of continuing our study on David. We were in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and we talked about <clears throat> how David behaved wisely when Saul was trying to throw spears at him, when he was trying to do things to hurt David. Um, David behaved wisely in that, and we kind of studied that a little bit, and, and we've skipped just a chapter over to chapter 20, and we kind of find out that uh, David is still facing this persecution from Saul, but I kind of want to just get us caught up. In 1 Samuel 18, 9, uh, the Bible says, So Saul eyed David from that day forward. You remember that the, the women sang as, as they danced and said, uh, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry when he heard that. Really, he was very jealous when he heard that. And uh, we'll see this develop a little bit more tonight as we look into this relationship between David and Jonathan. Very good friends. It said also in 1 Samuel 18, verse 1, that uh, now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. What a friendship they had. What a relationship they had. You know, while uh, Saul wanted to kill David... Jonathan, Saul's son, loved David. They had a strong relationship, and we see it uh, as we'll look at chapter 20. But I do want to look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 19, verses 1 through 3, to kind of get us going into this. And here's the deal. Just clear your minds for a minute and really get into this story. And what happens is, as you get into this story, it just explodes. It's beautiful. You know, we see that the Old Testament is for our learning, and man, if you really get into it, it really does help you learn life's lessons. Amen? What a beautiful story that we see from David. Now look at what happens. In chapter 19, 1 Samuel, verses 1 through 3, it says, Now Saul spoke to Jonathan, his son, and to all his servants, that they should kill David. But Jonathan, Saul's son, delighted greatly in David. So Jonathan told David, 
saying, My father Saul seeks to kill you, therefore please be on your guard until morning and stay in a secret place and hide. And I will go out and stand beside my father in the field where you are and I will speak with my father about you. Then what I observe, I will tell you. And that's kind of uh, where we'll begin. Uh, We see that... David is beginning to be worried about Jonathan, I mean about Saul and what he's going to do. Uh, Jonathan goes to David and he tells him that uh, I'm going to listen to what my father tells me about you and then I'm going to go uh, and I'll tell you about uh, what he says. But we see that not only does Jonathan cling to this relationship with David, but also Saul's uh, daughter, Michael. She does too. She helps uh, David actually escape out of a window and adds to this anger, adds to this frustration, adds to this jealousy between uh, Saul and David. Not David and Saul. It's all pointed from Saul to David. And this causes uh, Saul to act crazy It causes him to act ridiculous. It makes him and consumes him to the point where he wants David dead. But the reason why he wants David dead is not because David has done something. It's not because David has wronged Saul in any way. The reason is because he's just jealous. He's envious of David and wants him Out of the picture. So just a side note. Proverbs 14.30 says this. A sound heart is life to the body. But envy is rottenness to the bones. (laughs) Wow. Envy brings your bones to rot. What a terrible characteristic to have, huh? What a character. A terrible characteristic to think that you would be rotting on the inside. Well, it happens when you become jealous of somebody. What a dangerous thing to think about uh, that you would be jealous and, 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 and worried about somebody else to the point that you begin to rot on the inside. What a great description. Having a jealous and envious heart will rot your bones because it consumes you It changes you. And we see such a powerful example of this with Saul towards David. So let's read chapter 20, verses 1 through 4, and see what we can gain from this chapter. Then David fled from Naoth in Ramah and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father, that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing either great or small without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. Then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, 
as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. As David comes to his close friend, Jonathan realizes and and David is in a stressed out situation. Think about it. He has no idea why Saul is trying to kill him. You ever had somebody try to kill you? I haven't. I don't even know how that would feel. Anyway, um, I hope that nobody would ever want to try to kill me. But here's... I was going to say a joke, but it's not good, so I'm just going to pass on it. But here comes David to Jonathan, and he says, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? Jonathan, tell me. Will you tell me what's going on? Will you tell me what the problem is? This is a pain That's deep inside of David. It's a a trouble that's now starting to consume him because he's worrying, he's anxious, he's, he's trying to figure out something that he has no idea why it's come upon him. Think about this. We all cross valleys of confusion and uncertainty as we journey through life. Isn't that a true statement? We all cross valleys of confusion and uncertainty. As we're walking through life. When the pressure rises in situations, we sometimes wonder who our friends are, right? You ever been like that? Can I trust anybody? (laughs) I don't even know who I can trust. I don't know if I can trust you. Here was David. I mean, think about it. Jonathan is Saul's son. Uh, Tell me what I've done. Tell me What's happened? Can you help me? But really thinking maybe this guy who I think is my friend really isn't my friend. Somebody who I really can't trust because in the end he's going to go with his father anyway, right? When pressure rises in situations, we sometimes wonder who our friends are. When stress begins to take hold of us, we so many times fail to trust the Lord will bring us through. You ever been there? You ever thought about that? Has that ever is that a true statement for you? Boy, I can say right now and I can raise my hand and I'll admit it that I've been there. I don't want to be there. But when I become stressed out, when I become uh, just completely engulfed in something that I can't figure out, I want to say, "Lord, just can you hurry up and fix this? Can you hurry up and get it?" I need you to hurry up because I'm stressing out. But it always doesn't happen that way, does it? It always doesn't come like we need it to. Is this a true or a false statement? When you give your life to the Lord and you become a child of God, life becomes full of blue skies and rainbows. Amen? Not for me. I pray for blue skies and rainbows, but it always don't come that way, does it? David understands who's with him, but it still doesn't take away the pain. 
it still doesn't take away the confusion, right? He has a relationship with God, but it doesn't mean that he's going to be absent from going through a valley. You remember the, the psalm that we all love so much? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. For what? You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's what we have to realize in tough situations. That what, that's what we have to come to the understanding in our mind is that, yea, though I walk through the valley, because I'm going to walk through it, I'm not going to fear no evil. For you're with me. For your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember in Hebrews 13, 5, it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. What a comforting feeling. What a comforting thing to know that God wants to be with you through everything, through the tough times, through the easy times, through the happy times, through the valley lows and the mountain highs, right? Any place, that's where he wants to be, right with you. But boy, it's hard sometimes in the tough situation. And here's the reality of this. From this point on, it's going to be 10 years that Saul's going to chase David. <laughs> Think about that. 10 years he's about to have to deal with Saul hunting his life. Wow. I don't even know if I could... I mean, we see from the life of David this journey. We see from the life of David how he uh, did so respectfully to King Saul. The way he acted towards Saul was amazing despite countless times that Saul wants to kill him. And right now he wants to kill him. Right now he wants him out of the picture. But look at Jonathan in verse 4. He says, So Jonathan said to David... Anxious David, in this, in this pain, he says, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. I'll do it for you. I'm there for you. I got your back, right? Don't you love it when somebody tells you, I got your back? Man, that makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to know that I have friends that have my back. Not trying to get back there behind us so they can stab it, but so they can get back there and hold it up. So they can get back there and, and help me walk this tough life sometimes. Look at verses 5 through 9. This story just opens up. There's so many twists and there's so many turns in it, really. There's so many things that we can learn from it. Look at verse 5. And David said to Jonathan, Indeed, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says, thus it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, 
you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? David and Jonathan are very good friends. And they figure out a plan or the beginnings of a plan to see exactly where the heart of Saul is. But there's a problem with the plan. There's a problem with it. It's a lie. David is about to tell a lie. He tells him to concoct this deal that says that he's going to run over to Bethlehem. This, the, for in the city and there's this yearly sacrifice and he's going to go over there and he's going to do this, right? And, and remember what Jonathan says, I'm going to do whatever you ask me to do. Now think about that for a minute. A lie. Here's the reality, brethren. Even though you love somebody so much, don't lie for them. God will never bless a lie, no matter what the motivation. God will never bless a lie, no matter what the motivation. Instead of going to God in prayer, instead of them taking the time and say, Lord, we need you to lead us through this, what do they do? David makes up a lie. He makes up a lie. Look at verse 6. If your father misses me at all, then say, David earnestly asked permission of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. <laughs> a lie. Because he's not going to be in Bethlehem. He's going to be out in the field. David says, tell Saul that I've just ran over real quick to uh, Bethlehem for this yearly sacrifice. Look at what Proverbs 12.22 says. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That's how important God takes a lie. He says it's an absolute abomination. But those who deal truthfully are His delight. And I'm going to talk about it in just a minute. I'm going to talk about what if, and this is a what if and it doesn't happen, but I want to talk about for just a second, what if Jonathan and David seek Saul in the right way? What if they went to him with the perspective, and I, I don't want to jump to it real quick, but uh, I wonder how it would have came out. Maybe a little bit different. I don't know, the Bible doesn't say that and we, can't, we can just speculate all day long but we do understand some things and some principles that we can look at and think about that may help us understanding the reason why you don't lie for your boy, right? You know, I think about that. I think about when I was younger and I would lie to my dad. It would just get more ridiculous as it went on. Because what would happen is I'd tell the lie and then uh, maybe a day later I would forget that I had lied. Well, he remembered it and asked me and then now all of a sudden I'm changing the story, right? Uh, I don't even know what to say anymore because now my lie is I don't even remember it. So I'm in all kinds of trouble and I'm immediately exposed, right? 
Lying just gets you in a whole bunch of other stuff that you can totally avoid, even if it's your friend and you think it's going to be for their best interest, right? Look at verses 9 through 16. But Jonathan said, Far be it from you. For if I knew certainly that evil was determined by my father to come upon you, then would I not tell you? Then David said to Jonathan, Who will tell me? Or what if your father answers you roughly? And Jonathan said to David, Come, let us go out into the field. So both of them went out into the field. Then Jonathan said to David, The Lord God of Israel is witness. When I have sounded out my father sometime tomorrow or the third day, and indeed there is good toward David, and I do not send to you and tell you, may the Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it pleases my father to do you evil, then I will report it to you and send you away, that you may go in safety, and the Lord be with you you as he has been with my father. And you shall not only show me the kindness of the Lord while I still live, that I may not die, but you shall not cut off your kindness from your house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord require it at the hand of David's enemies Jonathan makes this plan that continues to grow and he's going to make sure that he knows uh, how Saul feels about David think about where David's at mentally in this you talk about being anxious you know I get anxious maybe looking for a, you have a job interview and you're trying to get the job you know and you got to wait a couple weeks because stuff's got to develop they got to talk to the boss and the boss and, and you anxiously are waiting for the result you know whether you got it or not David's waiting on the response of whether Saul really wants to kill him or not right I mean what a terrible thing to be waiting on to know that the king the one that he went and killed this Goliath for. Remember he told Saul, he said, Hey man, don't worry about Goliath anymore because I'm going to go out there and take care of him for you. And what does he do? He goes out there and takes care of him. And then what else does he do? He starts playing this music for him to calm him down, to soothe him when he's angry and when he's upset. It still wasn't good enough. David did everything he could to please Saul. And Saul hated his guts. Couldn't stand him. Wanted him dead. What a terrible feeling. Think about your lives. Think about the situations that you have going on. You ever run into pain like that? You ever run into a situation where somebody doesn't like you too much? You ever run into a situation where you're really anxious and you want to make it right but you don't know how? But Jonathan is right there with him. Thank the Lord for friends. Amen? Thank the Lord for friends. 
I love the Lord. And I know I can, if nobody else wants to serve the Lord, I have the ability to serve the Lord. But I will tell you this right now. I am thankful for my friends. I am thankful that I have people that will help me. You want to know why? Because friends are there for each other. Friends don't stab each other in the back. Friends don't talk about each other when they go back to their house. What does a faithful friend see? What does a faithful friend see in you? I love this. What others miss. A faithful friend sees in you what other people miss. Now why is that? Because a faithful friend talks to you. A faithful friend cares about you. You ever had somebody talk to you and they're really just looking off into the wind? They could care less what you're saying, right? Oh, I love you, brother. Appreciate it. Have a good week, man. Get away from me. No, a real friend cares about what you're saying. A real friend wants to know your problems, and guess what? I'll be there with you. Jonathan's dad is the king and wants to kill David. And Jonathan tells him, whatever your desire is, I'll do it. That's a friend. A friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. Amen? Come on now. So back to this plan. Look at verse 17. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and you will be missed because your seat will be empty. And when you have stayed three days, go down quickly and come to the place where you hid on the day of the deed and remain by the stone easel. Then I will shoot three arrows to the side as though I shot at a target. And there I will send a lad saying, Go and find the arrows. If I expressly say to the lad, Look, the arrows are on the side of you. Get them and come. Then as the Lord lives, there is safety for you and no harm. But if I say thus to the young man, Look, the arrows are beyond you. Go your way. For the Lord has sent you away. And as for the matter which you and I have spoken of, indeed the Lord be between you and me forever. What a close-knit group. They loved each other. You could see it. it. It just comes out of the page. Jonathan cared about David. And David cared about Jonathan. 
talking about these arrows. I'm going to shoot these arrows, and if they're before you, then you know it's safe. But if I shoot the arrows and they go past you, then you better go. Because it ain't no good here. So the plan was set. They had the plan. They had what they need to do. And, re- and, and remember, in the, in the midst of this plan is a lie. A big fat lie. So look at what happens. Verse 24, then David hid in the field. And when the new moon had come, the king sat down to eat the feast. Now, the king sat on his seat as the other times, on a seat by the wall. And Jonathan arose and Abner sat by Saul's side. But David's place was empty. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, Something has happened to him. He's unclean. Surely he is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. So the first day goes by and David isn't in his seat. And so Saul says, well, maybe he's unclean. Maybe he needed to go cleanse himself. Maybe he had done something to make himself uh, not clean and he needed to do whatever the ceremony took for him to be clean. He'll be here tomorrow. Really, no big deal, right? Not really thinking much about it. But here comes day two. And it happened the next day, verse 27, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat? Either yesterday or today. So here we are. We're to the point, right? We're to the point where Jonathan is going to do exactly what David has told him to do. Brethren, even if your best friend tells you to lie for him, don't. Don't. A lie is wrong. Amen? It's not right. So look what Jonathan does. So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, please let me go for our family has a sacrifice in the city and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I had found favor in your eyes, please let me go away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Now let's just back up. And I want to just put a what if in there, okay? What if we go back to where uh, Jonathan uh, is where David's at and he says, whatever uh, you do, I'll do it for you. And he says, I need you to go and tell the king that, you know, I, I went to Bethlehem and this, this little lie. And then Jonathan turns around and says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Because that's not telling the truth. But you know what I am going to do for you? 
You want to know what I'm going to be able to do for you? Because guess what? My dad is the king. My dad is the one that wants to kill you. And guess what I'm going to do? Instead of going and concocting this lie, I'm going to go in there, and when you ain't there the second time, I'm going to say, you want to know why he's not there? He's scared of you. He realizes you want to kill him. Dad, he loves you. He cares about you. He would do anything for you. Haven't you seen it? How would that have turned out? Would Saul have turned? Who knows? We don't know. Saul was already in a place where he was so jealous it was ridiculous anyway, right? But doesn't that sound like the right thing to do? Doesn't that sound like something that we should do as Christians instead of telling the lie? Because it, it could have ended up a little bit different. But look at what happens as he, after he says this. Look at verse 30. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen... Think about this. And I want to just go into the mind of Saul for just a second. Don't you think I broke his heart? Don't you think that hurt him? To know that David goes to Jonathan and not him. And that Jonathan, his own son, has picked him, has picked David over him. He says, I do not know what you... Uh, he, he says, do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he surely shall die. I'm done messing with this. I'm done talking about it. Everybody loves David and they hate my guts. So guess what? I'm fixing to wipe him out. Now what if Jonathan would have came to him and said, Look, Dad, I know you're the king. I know you can do anything you want. But David loves you. David cares about you. You think this would be the result? <laughs> I don't know, but I would take a leap that it wouldn't necessarily go like that at that time. Now it might. But look at verse 32. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father... So now after Saul replies to him, now, now Jonathan's going to reply back. Now he's mad too, right? If somebody came up and says something really crazy to you, what do you do? 
You're, you start getting really, really hot, right? You start getting really, really upset. Now we've got a terrible situation going on. And really all this comes from a straight-up, bold-faced lie. A lie. And Jonathan answered Saul, his father, and he said to him, Why should he be killed? What has he done? What's he done, Dad? Why didn't he start out like that? Why didn't he start out and say that? What has David done, Dad? What has he done to you that you want to kill him so bad? But he doesn't. And look what Saul does. I'd be a little bit scared of Saul, but I'm a little bit comforted to know that he wasn't a good aim, kind of like me with guns, right? Because he throws that spear, but he don't hit nobody. It says, Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him, by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. He knew it. What has he done? So look at the pain that's in this chapter. Saul's sad. Saul's angry. David's anxious. David's confused. Jonathan's mad. Jonathan loves David. He's confused. There's just all kinds of stuff going on. What a whirlwind in one chapter. So Jonathan goes out. Look at verse 34. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food the second day of the month. For he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out into the field at the time appointed with David and a little lad was with him. Then he said to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. And as the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, is not the arrow beyond you? Now think about the emotion going in that. Think about what he's doing. He's sending the message to David, you got to go. And Jonathan cried out after the lad, make haste, hurry. Do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad didn't know anything. But David and Jonathan did. They knew the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, Go. Carry him to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from the place toward the south. And look what he does. 
David is a man after God's own heart. Look at the respect he shows Jonathan. He falls on his face to the ground and bows down three times. They kiss one another and they wept together. But David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, sing, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Powerful. The reality of the whole story is Saul wants to kill David and Jonathan can't do anything about it. We see that they leave each other and David reminds him of this doubt and Jonathan said go in peace and he reminds him of this vow that they had made and they leave. Why does that make me so emotional? Why am I sitting here crying about David and Jonathan? (laughs) Because David cared about Jonathan. David cared about Saul. David cared about the king and who he was king of. David cared about all those things. And when I think about God's heart, guess what? The application for us today is God cares about you. That much. He cares about little old you and little old me. So what can we gain from this story? Just real quick and I'm done. The first thing is God has a purpose in our pain. What? Yeah. God has a purpose in our pain. Beloved, do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial which is to you to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. Think about that verse. Do not think it is strange concerning the fiery trial which is to, you, to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. It's going to happen. We're going to face it. We're going to have tough things that go on in our lives. But sometimes God gets our attention through pain. Man, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to talk about that. But isn't that true? I remember being at some of my lowest points in my life, struggling the most, and guess who I turned to? 
God. I had nobody else. I didn't have anybody else to turn to. Think about Paul. Only Luke is with me. Everybody else done deserted me. But God stood with me. The second thing to, to think about as we look at this, uh, this chapter in 1 Samuel is trust your true friends. You know, a true friend will tell you the truth. Amen? Hey, man, you messing up. I love you, but you messing up. That's hard for me to hear, but you know what? I would rather have somebody tell me that than, hey, man, you're doing a great job knowing that I'm cheating on Aaron, right? Knowing that I'm going uh, to the bars at night and just getting drunk. And nobody else knows it except this one friend. And they say, it's all right, man, you'll be all right. Instead of saying, dude, you need to straighten up. You need to straighten up. And I'm not going to lie for you. I'm not going to cover it up. You don't need a certain number of friends... Just the number of friends you can be certain of. Amen? I don't have to have a whole bunch of friends. I just got to have the friends that I'm going to be certain are going to have my back and tell me the truth and that are striving to do God's will and want to do God's will and encourage me and lift me up and let me know that you know what? We can do it together because guess what? Jesus is coming back and we get to go to heaven one day. I'm like, hey man, let me be by you. Talk to me some more, please. I need it. Sometimes I get down. Sometimes I get out. Sometimes I feel like not even walking in the door. Keep talking to me. Keep encouraging me. He who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools is going to be destroyed. Hey, I used to say this all the time, but it's true. That's real. That is real right there. Teenagers, young kids, hey, there it is. Brethren at work, he who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools, you're going to be destroyed. And the third thing, and this is it. Take your sorrows to the Lord. Amen. I mean, the man himself says it the best. The man himself says it the best. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. <laughs> when I'm sad, when I'm down, when I'm struggling, when I'm going through things that I don't know, I got friends that'll be there for me because the Lord said that I'm going to have people that care for me, that want to bear my burdens with me. Amen? That's why God set it up. He said, you know what? We can be successful together and help each other out. Do it, please. Hey, pray for me. Pray for the five people. This is, this is a challenge, man. Pray for everybody in the congregation, but sit down and think about five people and pray for them that they'll have a great week and they'll, they'll persevere through the struggles. They'll persevere through those times when they think they can't make it. 
Blessed are those who mourn because they're going to be the ones who are comforted. Because when I'm down, when I'm out, guess who I'm going to pray, take my prayers to? The Lord. Guess who I'm going to ask to, to have forgiveness from? The Lord. Who am I going to ask when I go through anything? I'm going to ask through the Lord. When I'm sad, when I'm happy, whatever it is. Maybe you're here today and you need to become a child of God. Maybe you're here and you need to become a Christian. You can today. Maybe you're here and you're struggling. Maybe you're here and you're going through some pain. Maybe you're, you're tired of it. Maybe you need some prayers. Maybe you need some encouragement. Come down here and let's pray. Let's hug and, 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 and be encouraged. I don't know one person in here that wouldn't hug your neck or shake your hand and, and ask if, they, if you need anything. Let's be friends to each other. Let's be brothers and sisters to each other. Let's do what the Bible tells us to do. And what a great example we see from David and Jonathan. But we also see that they're humans. They lied. They made up a deal. But you know what? They loved each other. And they was there for each other. And that's why it's in the Bible. So we can look at it and make sure that we don't do those types of things. Whatever you need. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you want to be saved, come right now. Together we stand and sing.